0: Thank you for joining us for this episode. Today, we're going to be talking about the future of optometric technology and inventing stuff for optometrists on the Optometric Um. Insights Show. Again, for joining us for this episode of the Optometric Insight Show today, we're with Dr. Fahib uh, Mahajub, and uh, he lives. Uh, Fahib lives in Fort Collins, Colorado, and I met him several years ago when he was an optometry student, and he's taken this interesting path within optometry, not only with practice, but also he started to really get into the technology of eye care. And uh, he's uh, invented a couple of products. We've used actually both of them, or maybe he's got more than the two uh, in our practice. And so I'm super stoked to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, Thanks for having me. Yeah, my man. So Uh, tell me about this interest in, uh, eye care technology. When did this kind of all come about? Was it while you were still a student or after you got into practice, were you just like, Hey, we need something like this. And you couldn't find it. Actually a little bit of both. I was always one of those kids that loved to tinker around with things when I was a kid and
1: it was something that I didn't really pursue much. When I started looking into career paths, I went the healthcare route, but it was always something on the back of my mind. And uh, it was something kind of that was rekindled during my optometry school days. One of my professors uh, was into Silicon Valley. Used to work for Apple. Was uh, you know telling me about you know the different things that are happening in, in other parts of healthcare, and actually encouraged me to join a hackathon that was happening at a nearby
0: school. And that's kind of when I
1: got
0: bug. What what in this hackathon? What did you do in this hackathon? I basically
1: got paired with uh, five people that I didn't know. We asked to find a solution to a problem that existed, and then over 24 hours, develop a solution and then pitch it to a group of judges. Um, so it was kind of a kind of like a cram session almost for
0: a test mm-hmm. at the end of to uh, Present ended up winning the hackathon, so I was uh, pretty jazzed about that. Do you remember what that project was? What the problem was? Yes. I think it was uh, along the lines of a company that would help
1: startups essentially get established from setting them up with consultants and kind of being an ecosystem for startups, basically. That's
0: cool. Yeah. So fast forward, now you uh, you're in practice and why don't you tell us about the things that you have uh, come up with so far and um, you know, how, how you go about getting something like that into the marketplace? yeah the first device that I actually developed was inspiration for it
1: was when I was a fourth year student on rotations, and I was doing the insertion and removal training with patients at a specialty lens uh, practice. And I had a really difficult time with a few patients who had trouble getting sclerals in their eye for a variety of different reasons. And I learned that it got to the point for some patients where they had to be taken out of the lenses because they just couldn't insert them. And I thought that was a real shame and you know, you look at all the different clinical hurdles you have to jump through to fit a patient at the end of the day for them not to be able to wear the lenses because of that. Um, you know, I felt that that was, you know, a real waste. So I started learning about uh, different technologies like 3D printing and CAD design and developed a product that can help address some of the issues that I saw with insertion and removal. Uh, and then from there, I reached out to some colleagues that I respected to get their ideas on it and uh, just kind of uh, went step by step and finally brought it to market when I, when I felt like it was ready.
0: Yeah. So to give an idea of what this is, is, you know, with scleral lens insertion, some patients, uh, they need to use both of their hands uh, when they're inserting the lens. And uh, what we'll do is, um, if it's okay with you, I'd like us to put a link to either your website or a picture or something of the product, just so people can get an idea of what this looks like, if that's okay to put it in the show notes. Um sure. But, uh, you know, a lot of times there's these little devices and the patient has to get really close to the table uh, to put something like this in. And they're But with your device, what's really cool about it is it has this this telescoping arm so you can get it up higher and it can be positioned at the height for the patient. But then it can telescope back down so the patient can set it aside for storage. And it's not like this big thing in the middle of of everything uh, wh- where did that concept of like the telescoping arm come in you know for me I just looked at how I insert
1: soft lenses I typically do them in the bathroom when I'm standing up and so I felt like scleral lenses you know what's the reason that it's not as easy to do the same thing so I wanted mm. to create something that from a convenience standpoint would be just as convenient as in inserting soft lenses and then later on I actually discussed after um, sharing some of the prototypes with some colleagues that some of their patients actually needed to be able to insert their lenses while standing because they had back problems so mm-hmm. it was one of those things where uh, it kind of fits two different needs for two different folks the people that just want to be able to insert their lenses more efficiently um, you know in the bathroom after they wash their hands and just put their lenses on and then there's the folks that actually need that ability to be able to insert them on their standing
0: yeah yeah so that that's that's pretty cool, and then you know the second thing that you developed uh revolved around um around taking photography uh in the exam room. you know for his, a, a couple of years ago, I spent about twenty thousand dollars on a slit lamp that had a camera built into it um I'm a little upset at you that you weren't around. When I bought that twenty thousand dollars set lamp with that camera, um, but uh, here you've come up with a solution that's really affordable. Tell us, you know, what what is convenient about this device that you came up with, and how did you decide to go about doing uh, doing it in this manner? Yeah, for me, it was actually going back to a real world
1: problem that I was facing as well. I wanted to grow the dry eye practice, and I found it difficult to communicate effectively what I was seeing in the slit lamp to patients. I can kind of just see their eyes glazing over when I'm talking about my vomine glands and all these intricate things that they may have never really seen firsthand before. So I felt that if I could show them exactly what I was looking at, that I could really, you know, make more of an impact on them and and help them buy into the solutions that I was recommending. So I looked at a lot of the different options out there. There are some, you know, really great options that are built into slit lamps. um, But, you know, that like you mentioned is, you know, cost prohibitive and it wasn't something that the practice I was at I was willing to invest in at the time, uh, so I started exploring different options. And it you know, ultimately came down to the uh cameras and in, in phones now are just about as good as any that's out there that's purpose built or kind of a niche product. Um, again, I, I went back to the CAD and 3D printing and looking at different ways of uh, prototyping a solution that would work, and um, you know, through a lot of time and effort added. And then, you know, gradually it it came to be something that I felt would be reliable that you could use on a day-to-day basis uh, efficiently within your normal workflow.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think different people probably are using this in different ways. We've purchased one for each of our practices. And then what we did in our practices, we went out and we purchased, uh, you know, a used offline iPhone six or iPhone seven. It's not an internet device for us. It's just a, a camera. That's what we're using it. So we were able, really, able to get the entire system. Depending on what you pay for the phone, and then you know, purchasing the uh, the case and the adapter from you, we're able to get something for you know under five hundred dollars. Really, is what it what it boils down to. If you already have a phone, maybe an older phone in the uh, in the office or something you could already use that so it's this in a in, in, inexpensive way to get it and then you what what he's done that's really unique is he's uh 3d printed these uh these um, adapters for our slit lamp and then we have a different size adapters depending on the slit lamp that we have and then we just take our unit from room to room Uh, You know, really for $500 or whatever it is, if you've got two or three exam rooms, it's not super expensive compared to that $15,000, $20,000 slit lamp that I had to get one of these in every single room. So it's really kind of a slick way of incorporating uh, photography real real quickly into the practice. And I, I appreciate what you said about sharing it with patients. Because I found with my fancy camera, it was really difficult for me to have the patient turn around and face the computer and everything. Whereas I just take these photographs with the slit lamp on the, on the iPhone camera that we have, and then I just turn it over and I show the patient. I'm sure that's probably what you, what you do and what you've done, uh, but it's kind of this really slick type of way. What have you heard from other people as to how they're using uh, the, the the devices that you've invented? Yeah, you know, different doctors have
1: different kind of mindsets uh, for what they're wanting to do with imaging. Um, some doctors are wanting to create videos that they can share on social media to educate patients. Uh, some doctors are wanting to take images to publish in articles and posters. And uh, some doctors are wanting to use it primarily for patient care, showing patients, uh, you know, clinical signs that they see uh, and also just, you know, billing for the the things that we see commonly in the anterior segment to generate revenue for the practice. So I I think different uh, doctors have different priorities for what they want to use it for, uh, but it's nice uh, It's personal to use it in in those different ways.
0: Yeah. So just from a practice management standpoint, if you do slit lamp photography, you can bill the uh, bill for the photograph. Um, I recommend getting an ABN ahead of time, an advanced beneficiary notice, informing the patient that you're going to be charging them for the photograph, informing the patient it may go to their deductible and so forth. And then setting up a system within the phone and then the computer that you're using to be able to convert the photos over into the patient's chart. And there's various different ways that people are doing that. What, what are some of the ways that you've heard people are saving the document or the photos for the patients? How, how have you heard people use that? Yeah, you know, there, there's a couple of different um, apps
1: that are out there that can let you transmit Mm-hmm. I'm actually looking on a solution that would do that for you automatically, where when you mm-hmm. take a photo, you know, pops up on your desktop, desktop, so you can automatically attach it to your EMR, cool. that way, yeah. it makes the whole workflow more efficient.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, buddy, um, what's next? Like, what else have you been thinking about? What, what's bothering you right now? And what are you going to invent uh, for the future? I, I, and you don't have to divulge anything that you're in the works on. But if you're comfortable sharing, like, what are some things that are bothering you from a technology standpoint right now? Yeah, that's
1: a really great question. I think one of the things that's really missing out there is interoperability. You have a lot of different devices in the office, but none of them really talk to each other. And they typically don't talk to your EMR. Um, so I'm I'm talking with uh, some partners in the iCare care space that are already working on that issue and seeing ways to collaborate. Because I think one of the things that companies sometimes are focused on is bringing their device out, but they don't necessarily, manage, from the provider's perspective, that experience of how that device plays in within the whole ecosystem within that practice. So I want to make sure that you know the devices that I have are things that can fit in seamlessly to a practice and enhance efficiency, as opposed to being kind of a standalone thing.
0: Yeah, you know, that is so true. If we were to invent all of the equipment right now within the eye care space with regards to electronic health records and everything, I don't think we would put up with the uh, the inner workings of the systems the way that they are, right? That that I have an Optos and a Zeiss OCT and I have an Optiview and I have, a, you know, a, a, a you know, a, a different companies, a Medmont, a uh, topographer, or whatever it is that you have in your office, um, and, and, and I can't look at all that stuff in one place. That's uh, that's such a huge problem. And there are a couple of things. Zeiss has a has a system that tries to bring a lot of that in, but it's still not as clean as I think it should be. And incidentally, you know, I actually looked at an outside company coming in and building that for me. I mean, and we're looking at a hundred hundred and fifty thousand dollars just for my office to incorporate all that stuff into one. We didn't do it because that. Uh, <laughs> I figured we could have a, a staff member print and scan uh, just as quickly as as that. So, buddy, what do you think um, the future of optometric technology looks like? Where do you think that we're going in the future, uh, and how technology is going to help us get there? That's a great question. I don't know if I can specifically predict
1: you know certain things. I don't have a crystal you have ball. To. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I feel confident about is the trends. So I think there are pretty clear trends that are in place now and I think will definitely expand in the future. So one obvious one is digitization. So right now, before someone thinks about going to see an eye doctor, they're being targeted online by practices or by eyewear companies. They are comparing doctors online before choosing a doctor to go see. They can book their appointment online and submit their patient history once they're in the practice. As far as their actual uh, clinical examination, the pre-testing is done by digital devices. Their healthcare information is input into an electronic health record by the provider. So we already have a landscape that's mostly digital right. right now. And so I think the logical next step would be automation. Once you have everything already in the digital space and you have humans doing these digital tasks, the next easy step is to create software that would do those same tasks and you know reduce costs, make things more efficient there's a lot of benefits to automating some of the things that are done manually. Right. Right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, it seems as if our profession is a super techie profession and uh, you know, we, we look at things from so many different angles, whether it's uh, you know, OCT versus a a photograph of the retina, uh, whether we're looking at refractions being the same way that they are in the future. So I, I, I think I think you nailed it right on the head. Is that this is going to you know expand and continue to improve? Um, where do you think we should be looking for improvements in technology? What are you what are you seeing as these advancements? Is this something that we're going to see at trade shows, or are we going to see uh, you know new ways of getting information? That's a great point. I, I think that we have some responsibility on, on our end to engage
1: with the, the companies developing. Uh, these technologies because what's happening right now is they're going to ophthalmology meetings presenting their research at ophthalmology meetings not optometry meetings and we want to have enough influence to where we have a table to determine how these technologies are going to be rolled out that way we can you know make sure that we're um, enforcing the best interests of our patients and also looking out for our profession as well to make sure this is something that's going to help optometry grow uh, and not be something that leaves optometry behind
0: yeah yeah So true. Well, man, I am. uh, I'm stoked with uh, where you have come in such a short uh, career already. You're uh, you're changing my life for my practice, making things easier for me with patient care. I'm excited five years from now to have talking with you about the other things that you're thinking about, how you're incorporating and changing things for our practice. So on behalf of our profession, thank you for what you're already doing. Well, thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate your support and just being,
1: you know, being bored to, you know, give me advice and give me your thoughts on, on the things that I've been working on. It's been really helpful. So I really
0: appreciate that. Yeah, well, cool. Well, hey, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Optometric Insights Show. Make sure to like, subscribe, and leave a comment down below. We'll make sure to include in the show notes uh, some links to some of the products that uh, Faziz has come out with, and uh, and uh, some maybe links to his social so you can stay up on what he's coming out with next. Uh, we'll see you next time on the Optometric Insights Show.